You see, unlike you, Tatsu, I have responsibilities. When things go wrong, when one of you idiots misses a delivery or destroys a pod, I'm the one who has to fix it. I'm the one who has to clean up the mess. And I'm fucking sick and tired of cleaning up your messes. Time Before Time, Volume 1. Writers Declan Shelby and Rory McConville. Artist Joe Palmer. In the beginning, there was nothing. Then there were comic books. Once you enter our world, there is no escape. Comic exposure begins in 3, 2, 1. Welcome to the Comic Exposure Podcast. My name is Josh Buckley, and my time-traveling coyote is the one, the only. If you fall, I will catch you. I will find you. I didn't lose the wrong lyrics. <laughs> time after time. Travis Rats here. All right, Travis, on the ones and twos. Well, we are talking to you. We want to thank you so much for hanging out with us on the Comic Exposure Podcast. It's been a minute, and we're back with a comic book club episode. Travis and I are diving deep into a trade. We are reading Time Before Time out on Image Comics, Volume 1. Uh, written and oh man, this is gonna it's gonna bug me. Why am I not there, Travis? I did a bad I did a bad thing. I did. Oh, it's by thing, yeah, right? it's by uh, Declan Declan Shelby is uh, with Rory McConville. The artist Joe Palmer, Chris O'Halloran on colors, Hassan Otsamni Alahu on letter. It's a little tough. I can't I can't nail that one down. But Shelby and Rory McConville. And uh, on the on the words, <laughs> on the writing words, this on the words and twos. <laughs> why am I don't know, dude? I, this is I, am I rusty? No, I we feel. Are. And you say we're diving deep into it. I'm gonna say this is more of like the shallow end of the graphic novel, and we need it. We need to get our bearings on it. I we, think I we can't go into right. something like deep. We can't go like I, we can't jump into Alan Moore after being gone for a month. You know? No, no. And I think I'm trying like to think of what Joe Palmer. I saw him. I know I've seen him on something else. There was this wrestling comic, and I'm wondering if he's the same guy who did that wrestling comic. Or there was one, I'm seeing it now, it had a cassette tape on it with a mummy hand or something like that, and I'm trying to think. I've seen him before, but I would have to look him up on Wikipedia. Oh, you know what Wikipedia, I know And that seems weird. Palmer from, it's from like brunches, you know, um, mm. which is from Buddy Arnold, uh, you know. Yes, yeah. There. Well, I was I was thinking it was uh, Simply Irresistible. That's what I was <laughs> Simply thinking. Simply Irresistible. Yeah. Uh, but, so we're, we're diving into this comic today, and, and we're going to take this, this comic, we're, we're easing back into it. Uh, a time travel story about two uh, time travelers, Tetsu, Tetsui or Tetsu? Now, now I'm uh, now I'm man. pulling it up too. We are gonna get there, people. We're bad. We are bad it. today. And in fact, they don't man. mention his name until like uh, several five years into it, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah no kidding. This is um, a real Back to the Future situation. It's Oscar is the other one. Uh, Oscar, and I want to say Tetsu, is 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 who we're with. And essentially what they do is they work for this thing called the Syndicate. It's a uh, this black market 
time traveling thing. And what they can do is they can like whisk you away to another time. So you're safe, right? Let's say that you turned on somebody you need to escape. They can take you there. They can black market people. They can black market goods from different points in time. And these two down on their luck time travelers decide they want to steal a time traveling contraption and get away scot-free and hilarity ensues. No, hilarity ensues a sort of like all over the place time jumping story uh, with like characters older and then younger and the feds show up and like he goes, then at one point he's in this really, really original old school time machine yaks all over the place it jumps all over the place, this story. And I'm I want to talk a little- still trying to find this guy's name. That's why I'm like, let's do it. But you made a good point. This is a hard story to sum up. Uh, but I think you did the high concept thing of like, what if time travel stories, right? But what right. if our spin is like black market uh, time travel? That's the key word you use there. That's the academic vocabulary, Josh, that you've inserted in right. this podcast. Uh, yeah, for that's, sure. That's the new, that's kind of their- uh, uh, Shelby's, uh, Declan Shelby's kind of twist or his addition to the time travel story. Now, Tatsu, read, Tatsu, uh, Tatsu. Uh, have I read every time travel story and has Black Market been done before? Maybe, but I haven't read it. You get a little bit like it feels a little looper, right? Because those guys are, mm. uh, yes, a little criminal me. sort of, of kind of looperish, but at the same time, um, it's really this sort of how do I escape crime? How do I escape the underground that I'm in? But can you really get out? It, 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 it is. I struggled a little bit with this story because time travel isn't something I've read a lot in comic books, mm-hmm. right? Because time travel relies on a bunch of cues in order for you to understand the time changes in order for you to understand how characters are like a different hyperdrive you effect them. you would see in like star Wars or like when you see that, when you see a character again, you really can tell they're older or younger. And there's a couple times where they run into people at different times. And I, I think Joe Palmer's art is, is cool. I like it. It's cartoony. It's, it's very dark. It's very like, it's not dark, like scary dark or like very Hellboy. Dark, but, very yeah it's very hellboy it's got a lot of dark black shadows in it but it's really hard to see changes in characters at one point he runs into future oscar and he goes like oh you must be tetsu from like my past he's like yeah you're you're long ago past and i was like he doesn't look that much it was really hard for me to like nail down how Uh, different he looked it's also very tough too we'll talk about this with more with art is when the backgrounds are so sparse and they're supposed to be jumping from time to time time to time uh it's very tough to tell like there's no like well obviously the backgrounds in this are uh their previous era so like even the environment isn't really helping you to use your word cue you into where we are in the story however they do do a great job do do <laughs> they do a great job of putting the year really big in the panels every right time they when they change. when they switch so that's but there's been their not cue they've been using it's a lot of time jumping in like 2141, 2333, yeah. right? Yeah. It's not a whole, there's a couple times when they go way back in time. Not way back. They go to the 60s once, they go to the, the 80s once, but even those time references don't look super dated. 
right? Yeah. I think you're right. That sparse background makes it a little tougher. But I found sort of like I, I the premise and the concept of it, I really dug. Yeah. I like the idea of, you know, looking at time travel as owned by criminals. Because that would happen, right? right? If something if right. time travel is invented, what do criminals do? They take a, like a system, a process, like uh, it really is shipping, right? Remember? Yeah. That's how mafia got their, their power. Really, it is very shipping. much like, they right? Can, they controlled like the federal roads and the truck industry and unions. Uh, in fact, one of them is called like the union in here, the competing yeah. one, right? And th- so they're yeah. bringing in, it's just like, oh, it makes sense that if time travel invented, the mafia would be like, I gotta give me some of that. I got to give me a little bit of that. <laughs> like how else, you know, like it, it does very much feel like that, but it, it also like the feds are involved, you know, you've got the government involved in it as they're watching, they're trying to pin down, you know, and stop this. And you've got sort of like the ruthless, he feels very much like a, an eighties villain. Yes. The, I was going to say the that. Guy. I love it. I love the fact that, you know, he reminds me of like eighties, nineties villain, like the, the villain from the movie, the mask. Uh, like yeah, that, like the like the the henchman. It isn't the top top brass henchman, but they're somehow connected to them, so they don't want to disappoint the top top uh, henchman. Yeah. So they go even more malicious to prevent their fuck ups, their mistakes from being <laughs> right. <laughs> Sorry, it's been a while. No, he while. he feels. He feels very much like um, it reads like James Spadery, right? Yes. Like eighties James Spader, or like the villain who would be but a little more. What's hapless. his name? In- and RoboCop, right? Like yes. uh, RoboCop one or RoboCop two? Because I like the little baby kid in RoboCop two. <laughs> <laughs> RoboCop, RoboCop one. It feels very sort of like, like it, he feels like an eighties villain. Red a very right, yes, Red <laughs> but with hair, but not. I like it. Feels very much that felt kind of tongue and cheeky. The villain, right? Um, and then you end it with like his dad right oh his dad's the big boss right yeah, like yeah, yeah. he's not the boss his well, dad they've been kind of out. planting that throughout the, right. the series but then you get to see like how big of a position the dad is it is very much the emperor at the end of uh uh, uh empire strikes back right right yeah, right yeah, yeah. yeah. big reveal of the puppet master yeah um, it does it does feel like that i i i thought you know really this idea of I think time travel is such a really cool sci-fi concept and I love sort of time travel movies. I love time travel genre, but I will tell you, I've never read a lot of time travel stories. Yeah. You know, when you say you love it, I, I my initial instincts, but yeah, like time travel, I'm like, but if I really think about it, I'm like, do I, do I gravitate to time travel? Uh, I mean, I guess when you think of time travel, you think of like back to the future or maybe like you said, looper, but then you start getting into yeah. like interstellar and those movies and those stories work for me. I feel like despite this time travel, like the time travel thing kind of takes me out of it because, yeah, because I have to like, my brain is working to, to justify the reality of the time travel. And since everyone does it slightly yeah, I different, I think time travel is a storyline in which the reader is constantly comparing it to other uh, displays of time travel, whether it be Back to the Future or Looper or Interstellar right. and how it's done. So as and are you creating? It, are, yeah. you can't let it Are you creating the you. multiverse? Are you, yeah. let, are you creating the multiverse every time you do it? Are you changing it? We just watched, uh, it's on Netflix, The Atom Project. Uh, Ryan Reynolds, sort of a throwback-y. It's pretty, it's pretty good. It feels very like 
80s movie, but much more, you know, better graphics. But it feels very much like a um like an 80s oh the kid is a main character and he goes yeah. back you know what i mean it, it feels but it was it was a lot of fun and it and it plays with time travel it plays with this idea of time travel and of course criminals running time travel you know what would that look like uh how do you enrich yourself with time travel you know oh, do they do criminals running time travel in that movie it is it's not really it's like the person who runs time travel is just is a, a bit- criminal but you don't know it yeah right yeah, yeah. so like, it has ill intentions it's mega corporation yeah, owns yeah, yeah. time travel okay. and how does the mega corporation get so powerful well it went back in time and like yeah. manipulated the system right i think it by biffed doing it. this I think it by, biffed it it took the almanac yeah. you know what i mean i think by declan doing the uh, uh mafia owning it uh is really smart because you get the shortcut right to the villain and like this is a villainous industry so you can get right to um high stakes conflict because right, you don't have to explain why yeah, they're bad. There's not like they're just six, bad. It's, it's the not mob. Like, it's not three issues, and then the last reveal panel, a splash page on the third issue is like the person that we've been watching and the head of the corporation like hits a button and like an evil suit comes on. You're like, oh, <laughs> this is where it's going. It's like, no, right from the beginning, this is yeah. These are bad dudes. These are guys working for you know an evil cor- you know an evil you know uh, organization you know, the mob doing time travel. Um, Travis, you had said that you had just done a little course yeah. on sci-fi writing. Yeah. So when you think about that, about writing sci-fi, and we look at this, and you said you've been reading a lot of sci-fi lately. Yeah. What do you, how do you feel? What does this do with the sci-fi genre that you like? What do you wish it did differently? You know, what are you thinking about now that you've taken that sort of course? Well, so it wasn't a sci-fi writing course. It was for my continuing uh, certification graduate courses for a teacher. And so University of San Diego, uh, it's called for the love of language science fiction. And they basically use what what's called these old lectures from like 2009 called the Modern Scholar, which you can get for free on, uh, not for free, but Audible for like nine bucks. And this guy, Professor Drought, gives this eight-hour lecture in which he breaks down all the eras of science fiction and really talks about the style of the writer as opposed to it being a subgenre. It's like what – like how were people writing science fiction in the 1800s, like starting with Mary Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, to the hard-boiled science fiction, to the surrealists like Bradbury, uh, to like cyberpunk and the neorealist and and all that stuff – and so I went into this course being like, yeah, dude, I grew up reading comics, man. I like, <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I've seen all the Schwarzenegger sci-fi stuff. Like, I, I like Snake Plissken. Like, you know, I've read some sci-fi novels. Hell, I got through a little bit of Dune, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and then he starts telling this course. He's really, really well done. He, he, he teaches in a way that, like, I, he breaks things down in a way that I really like and gives you a little snippet of the key pieces from each era that aren't necessarily the biggest sellers, but he feels are most representative of those styles. And I realized how much of science fiction is really foreign to me. So I started reading. I started reading. I wrote. I read a Robert Heinlein. I read a William Gibson. I'm right now meeting Neil Stevenson's Snow Crasher. And these are tentpole uh, uh works in science fiction that once you read them you're like oh i see where everything comes from like okay. first of yeah. all you read like neil stevenson or gibson and you realize where all modern day computer technology slang comes from 
you know, it was created in Neuromancer by Gibson, and it was created in Snowcrasher by this. And so that's kind of cool. And I'm not like a huge yeah. computer geek, but I love seeing when you look at science fiction very closely in an eight-hour lecture from error to error in a really well-done way, it makes you see the evolution of it. It makes you not see that it's about ev- not all about evolution. It's about, like, this is what was important to these writers. Here's how they went about it. So one isn't better than the other. They're just all different. And yeah. We've read quite a few sci-fi books in um, comic exposure yes. history. Yeah. And it's funny, when I think back on those, when I was reflecting on the course, how now, if I had to go back and talk about them, I'd be like, oh, this guy is a surrealist science fiction writer, for sure. Yeah. And look how he's, the image is important to him, not so much the story. Or this is a detective story. It's, it's hard-boiled. This is a hard-boiled science fiction. And so I really like... It kind of just gives me a greater vocabulary and lens to look at science fiction. So, um, yeah, I think one of the one of the, one of the big ones we read is Black Science, mm-hmm. right? That's sort of like very traveling to different unit, different dimensions, different versions of of this world. It feels this is that, but this you know that is very much like oh no, this world has giant lizard people who run it, yeah. right? Like it's a very it's different quantum thing. leap. Yeah, yeah, but I I thought, you know, this plays with the genre of crime mm-hmm. and the genre of time travel science fiction in a, in an interesting way and it really does it really does kind of play in the world, but I I think like my one I mentioned it earlier like my one setback is it was really hard to see eras. It was really hard to tell the difference between 2144 and 2093 and then it jumps ahead to 2003 you know like 2300 something right like that was the only one that looked really different because it goes and talks to a robot head guy right yeah yeah. but everything else felt very sort of like okay i don't it's i don't people aren't dressed all that different and they make a point to say that our character addresses the same no matter what era it is and there's very slightly differences in dress between them um but yeah, I, I would agree on that too. It's just like I use that word cues, and we just need yeah. You have the big words that say it, but cue us in a little bit more with the backgrounds and the styles. And I feel like I don't know. I wonder what their approach was. I feel like that would be one of the purposes for writing a story like this is to play with those backgrounds and those fashions. I mean, that's one of the fun parts about time travel, right? Whether it be um, Days of Future Past and all of a sudden we get to see right. uh, Logan dressed up in like 70s clothes. You are know, like, that's badass. Or like, what would, uh, uh, you know, Magneto Beast look like with bangs, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think you're right. But I, I think what it does is is it takes these characters and it doesn't really, it it doesn't, it doesn't play that game of, let's change what the characters look like based on time, right? It very much is let's... And, like, Tetsu doesn't run into older version of himself, right? You're not seeing that sort of, like, oh, it's old me. Look, he's over there, like, back playing around, right? Like, we're not we're not seeing that piece of it. Well, we're just, just kind of seeing, like, the escape. I'm going to escape from one place to another hiding as I'm being pursued, right? That's, I think, you know, when we take away like the fun of like showing science, uh, you know, like the time travel, like, like you, we were both agreeing on, but then you mentioned it earlier about what is this story really about? And it's about, it seems to be more about the idea of you can't run away from your problems. You can't escape your situation in life. Even if you got a time machine going back to the (laughs) past does not change. Like that all has to be internal work. 
you know? Um, and that seems to right. be the focus of this. Crime is a part of it. Time travel is a part of it. But to me, none of those, it's not like a, um, like some of the hard boiled crime novels that we've been reading. Uh, right. Uh, nor is it some of the hard sci-fi we've been reading. It kind of is, all right, a little bit of crime, a little bit of sci-fi, but then a whole lot of theme and allegory kind of in there or uh, uh, yeah. in, in there. And you're watching someone who our main character in here is, he got himself into this situation from some bad choices. And so he's doing the best he can to work himself out of it. But then he keeps making bad choices, right? It's a very, it's a very tropey idea that you can't escape your bad choices. And then at the very end, he's like, nope, I'm going to save, I'm going to flip it. I'm going to save the girl at the end of this volume, right? He stops somewhere else. He steals the good time machine, stops somewhere to get a sweet gun and then pops back, but she's already saved herself, right? right. Like he couldn't, he didn't even turn hero at that. Um, he came back and he's like, oh, I was going to save you. But right? he did. But like, that is a representative of him making the right choice. Right. Because right. he it's, has made so many wrong choices. Yeah. Right. So he's flipping to make the right choice. But again, he made the choice. He made the right choice again. But he made a choice again that feels right by stealing and by like, right? Yes. Like, and stealing from his best friend, which. Right. It, it, now, correct me if I'm wrong, Josh. It's been a couple weeks since I read this. By him stealing the time machine from his best friend, is that the reason why his best friend gets trapped in the future? But his best friend gets trapped. It's like an older version of his best friend okay. is trapped in the future with a crappy time well, machine. At the end, no, at the end, when he he sees like his more like younger friend in the future, and he goes, hey, Tetsu, it gets better. And then he goes in and sees his fancy new time machine and takes that back. Is that the reason yeah. why his friend actually ends up getting stranded? So, like, you know, that, that time travel yeah. paradox, you know? Right. It's, it's, I don't, that's the thing. Like, I think for me, this was a little tough to follow. Mm -hmm. um, I dug the art. I like the concept quick of read. it. It wasn't, I think it's a quick read, but I also think like I've got to read it again. Yeah. Right. I got to read it again in order to really piece it together. I'm interested to see where it goes. I think volume two just came out. So part of me goes like, that'd be a fun summer read. You know, we go to California, we go to the beach. I reread volume one. I pick up volume oh, two. You can read it in one beach sitting. If it right. The, the way they pace the dialogue and it's it's not dialogue. It's a lot of action. There's a lot of action, punching, jumping, right. running sequences in here. It goes pretty quick. Yeah, I feel like this would be a good, you know, as, as we, at, you know, in the summer, we do summer reads and we think about that. This for me feels like, oh, volume two would be a good summer read. Like reread volume one, read volume two. It, it would move really. I mean, it's like 130, 40 pages or something like that, or 130 pages, but it doesn't feel long. Right. So I think I could read them both again. I'm interested to see like, what's in the box. What's in the box. Yeah, yeah, like what, is, what's the thing you went to go retrieve that he's like, Oh, this is mine now. Yeah. Like I'm keeping this and, says, and like, I'm getting it. Like, it's like, it really is a, uh, uh, you won't believe what's in this. You won't believe what I it's, found. Cut to black. It's very, it's very yeah. MacGuffin, right? Yeah, it very yeah. much is like it literally is a suitcase, right? It's like a briefcase. The Maltese Falcon is in it. What I'm, is it? I'm you know? hoping that whatever's in that briefcase kicks in another cool new thing about time travel, like the way about doing black market crime. I'm hoping what's ever in the suitcase isn't just a complete MacGuffin, but it brings in a whole way of thinking about something you can do with time travel. Not just like, oh, it's 
uh, elixium crystals. People are getting high off of these and or whatever it is. Or, you know what? You know. Um, yeah. No. But that is I, something I, they're like, ooh, like it actually the character is actually bringing in physically into the story an object that is going to change the way we kind of perceive right uh, or time travel or is it something connected to the big boss man yeah right does he have that's, something that's just a, traditional story right yeah like does he have oh, something like can blackmail yeah. him yeah <laughs> so i'll be interested to see and i think that's probably what i'll do this summer is i'll grab volume two and, and read it let's talk art we didn't really talk well, before we, we kind of talked before to, we talk yeah because we're uh we, we're all off pace we're all, like 23 yeah. minutes in <laughs> um is let's so these time machines so time yeah. machines are a big trope in, in time travel, obviously. And there's not all time travel movies have time machines. Sometimes they have wristbands or little helmet buttons or potions. Um, what did you think about the representation of the time machine in this story? I, you know, the only one, it, it felt very understated, right? You don't really get to see a lot of the time machine, right? It's a box. They get in the box. It travels to the new place. But Some of the boxes are better. About how they're always breaking down. About how this right. is a very limited resource and how it's very sought after. The people from the past, the union is looking for more time machines. The guy in the future is having a big problem because they keep breaking down. Tatsu has to work longer because he broke one. So right, yeah. he's got to pay it off. I think it's. I, I do like the idea of it being this sort of like craft. We've we've lost a bunch of them because. Yeah you know, the person who put it in whatever time dies or, you know, it breaks down in the year 20, whatever. So we can't get it back. Um, I think that that piece of it is interesting, right? Like there's just, I, it feels very much like, so think of if you work for a taxi company, you're paying for your taxi as you're, as you're the taxi company. Right. Yeah. And so if your taxi breaks down, you, like, okay, I got to keep working to pay off my taxi because that I'm, you know, that I am leasing from my company. You know, it does feel very much like, how do I rope you in to keep working for me? Mm -hmm. You have to pay for your goods, right? Yeah, you have yeah, to, yeah, yeah. like, you have to make up for the, for the crap machine. I thought Welcome the most interesting- your first day at Hugo Boss. You'll need to buy a suit. We'll deduct that from your first paycheck. <laughs> right. It, it feels very much like that. And also, I also enjoyed, I think the coolest thing was- the crappy time machine. Yeah, you're like that's what I was. Yeah, I wanted to get. To. I, I thought that was kind of the most interesting time machine out of it. What Josh is, this... is explaining. Go ahead, Josh. Yeah. So, like at the end, um, as a sort of like, hey, you've screwed up. You need to go do this job. I can't kill you until you go do this job. You got to clear your ledger. And since you've lost so many time machines for us, here's how you're getting there. It's like the first time machine. It yeah. looks like a a giant bird cage with a couple boxes on it. And as he gets in it, he's like puking everywhere. It's like, it does not seem like a smooth ride to the future. Um, it's, it's funny. It's like a, it is very much like a Faraday cage. I thought right? that was a fun, a fun idea of, yeah, of course there's going to be different, just like there's different airplanes. It'd be like getting into like right. a shitty 747 from 1982, as opposed to a modern Airbus. And you're like, is this thing going to hold together? And I, right. I, I don't remember seeing that when it comes to time machines before. Obviously, we all can agree that the best time machine is the phone booth from Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventures. Uh, yes. Or Borg's Journey. And this know. does have a very Bill and Ted's vibe, right? It's like a big box, right? Yeah. It's like it's like a, just a, it looks almost like a phone booth. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's true. Yeah. It's like a big block. <laughs> 
It's like a big bird cage. Um, I like you know the gear. I, mean? I like science, time travel gears. I'm always interested in, all right, how is the rider going to get us back through time? We usually use a time machine, um, but uh, uh, it's a kind of a, a fun thing to explore uh, on there. Yeah, I do. I do like the idea that, like, of course, over time, we make them better, but we still have to use the old ones because there's not enough of them, right? Um, like... We think about it in the idea of cars. There are still people driving 1982 Accords, right? Like yeah. as someone's rolling out with their brand new Tesla, we didn't get rid of every car in the 80s. And so it would stand to reason, you know, like as time machines go, as technology gets better, some people have to use the crappy ones because that's all they can afford. I also would, I they don't have to do this, but it'd be kind of cool is with those old cars, they also customize them out and rebuild them. It'd be cool if as the story goes on, he's adding things to this old time machine so it becomes this kind of new- Or he meets like he meets thing. like time machine junkers, yeah, right? Like, or, yeah, like, now we're talking. <laughs> Shelby, get ahead, get a hold of us. But then I just I just think that we thought of a, I just think we wrote our own story about time machine, machine junkers, junkers, right? Oh like, my God, that's great, Josh. <laughs> like there are time machines and then you store like someone steals like there's a un of like time machines that have died yeah there's this group of people who bring them back to yeah, life like a right junkyard so normally you have a junkyard dog but in in the, like the future excuse <coughs> me what would you have like what would be how you how do you protect time machines how do you a junkyard them? robot right yeah exactly oh for sure for sure how about uh junkyard dog the wrestler in robot form yes that's such a a wonderful uh elder millennial god help thing. god hates astronauts great. yes i think so and i think it would work um but i you know i i thought i always think i wish there was a little bit more of time machine in it i wish mm -hmm. we got a better look inside of it i think i wish it was a little more like Let's see how that works. Um, Cause I think that's the fun part of sci-fi. And that's like me who loves some kind of like harder sci-fi is like, Ooh, let's, let's look at it. Right. Let's talk about the process. It's always um, fun to see how a, a, a sci-fi author reveals their exposition. How do they right. explain the process of it? And so, you know, that's right. how you get like, the suiting up or like in profit, like the parts of a machine that are labeled yeah. or whatever it is. Uh, this didn't, this didn't seem to have as much fun with uh, uh this the sci-fi tropes and I, I don't think that's i think there's lots of sci-fi time travel stories this really much did feel like it was focusing on the theme and less on yeah you know the uh the trappings yeah so let's let's talk joel palmer palmer what did you think of the art travis it's it's i thought did yeah, you think it, did it work mike, with it mike magnolia reminds me of that um at, at, at you know that's that's the question does it work with this I think the beautiful thing about science fiction in comics is that it's very conducive to a wide variety of styles, whether it be cartoony yeah. or hatchy or realistic. Uh, I think um, as opposed to superhero comics, which also can be a wide variety, I think because we're going into these different futuristic or past worlds, you really can stick any kind of artist style onto a sci-fi book and it feels like yeah. it has a better chance of melding. Um, I think this works for this story. Uh, I don't think it's, um, uh, I don't think it elevates the story. Uh, I think it services the story. I think it's, I, I like this art style. Uh, I could see, I, I think I'd actually even like this art style 
better in maybe a different genre of comic book. Uh, or maybe I'm used to seeing it more of a different genre of comic book. Uh, so maybe I'm just look, leaning on my uh, prior preconceptions of this kind of style. Um, but uh, I always like to see a little bit more of an indie style. And that's kind of what we get here. Yeah, I do. I do appreciate the sort of indie vibe of it. I, th- I think that I think that I like seeing that. And I think sci-fi comics are the best place for that. Right. Like how style art would feel weird. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, this is very heavy shadow. You mentioned it, very sort of Mike Mignola. There's a lot of black dude went through a lot of black ink to create or digital dude, black ink, I guess. Black ink. Exactly. Um, and he draws People are ugly, man. Very Mm -hmm. Mike Mignola, ugly character. We also read, who else does ugly people? Oh, man. What was the... uh, Oh, uh, Jeff Jeff Lemire draws ugly people. Yeah, Yeah, Jeff Lemire draws ugly people. And this feels very much... Horse faces, angular (laughs) jaws. Yeah. Yeah. This is not that ugly, but it feels like that. I think my only... My only beef with it, and you had mentioned it, is the sort of like sparseness of the backgrounds makes it really hard to tell time from time, right? Because, like, literally, they're like, I'm in a warehouse in 2093. I'm in a warehouse in 2141, right? It it didn't give me an, enough to to really nail down the differences in time. But I think there this book has been coming out on time, you know? So that's, right. that's like a, a plus. It's like, if you want those intricate backgrounds, like like a saga, you know, and some Not of those get kind it. of colorings, yeah. you know, you might have yeah. to deal with some delays. Uh, but you know, I, I, I think it's good art. I'd like to see him. Uh, I, I'd like, I'd like to see more from him. I'd like to see what else he's got going on. I think I saw he has another book because uh, I was like, Oh, have I seen him on something before? I have not. He did not draw the comic book. I thought he did. Oh, he does have another book out, um, called write in, write it in blood. Another image comic out as well. I'd be interested to check out what that looks like. Um, Ooh, the coloring on that looks really good. Oh, I might have to check that out. <laughs> oh, it's a graphic. It's a graphic novel. Okay. Oh, okay. So it came out last year, a graphic novel that he did uh, art for. Okay. Well, put it on the list. We love a good. It looks like a crime comic, Travis. We we do love a crime comic. Oh, I think he. I think this would do well. With, uh, this style would do well with uh, uh, just like get the, the sci-fi elements, and make it crime. I think that could work. Yeah. I think the dark makes, I mean, those, those, it is very noir, right? That sort of dark coloring, the, you know, the shadow, it does feel very uh, dark, or it looks like the X-Files. Renner and I have been watching, have been rewatching the X-Files. Every, every scene in the X-Files is super, super dark. Uh, It does feel like that. It does feel sort of like um, everything was shot in a warehouse or like in X-Files, everything was shot in Northern Canada. (laughs) <laughs> uh but i i dug it dude what 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 would, who would you recommend this to well, who would you give this favorite, to uh, panel oh favorite here. panel um, man i told you we're off is, today they're all they're all i mean there's no like i didn't really have any, like standout ones where i'm like oh this is kind of like i haven't seen this before but i think um the on page uh one 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 eleven in the digital reader. The top panel there is where the uh, they do make a little bit more effort to give that kind of uh, background on there, and the buildings yeah. are kind of leaning in, they're kind of swirly, and they're very ominous. And I'm like, ooh, more of that, please. Well, thirty four fifty five. It's the most far flung thing that they do in the future, and that looks the most in the futuristic. Future. Yeah, you know, I'm gonna cheat. 
Uh, and I, I have a panel that's this very, is, this is I have okay a, one to cheat on a very close series of panels, uh, on page one Oh nine, two pages earlier oh, okay. where he is in the jalopy time machine and going from 2299 to 3311. You can see him jump through time. Right. And you see his, the agony on his face. You can see it sort of twist and the color changes. Uh, and you see the background behind him change over time, right? It's dark, then there's light in the windows, and then the background isn't there anymore. Uh, he's not in the building anymore. I I thought, I, I really did kind of enjoy that idea of like, how do we, how do you show time travel, right? Because when you see it in, in, in movies, there's some sort of like indicator of mm. what is it, what do you look like when you travel through yeah. time, right? Uh, so I thought that was a cool series of panels to kind of show that. Yeah, I, I was, well, was going to pick two, but then I flipped the page and I saw that background thing. So we're in the same spot. Here we go, buddy. Here we go. Uh, who do I give this to? Um, I would say I'm going to make this a little bit more specific, kind of what we were talking about. Um, if you are a connoisseur of science fiction and in particular time travel, time travel is uh, is one of those genre tropes that sparks hotted, heated debate. You know, it's like something that, you know, Quentin Tarantino could write an argument on the beginning of Reservoir Dogs or sitting around eating yeah. breakfast and arguing <laughs> about like who does time travel right and what's time what time travel is bullshit. And so, you know, especially if you're if you're crafting your own stories, like you have yeah. to do your research. You have to see how this person did it and how this person did it and what they added to it and, and what are the through lines. So there are some people out there who really like time travel stories and more for like how the science behind the time travel. Yeah. So if you find yeah. yourself gravitating to the, well, that would never work or like, oh, that makes sense or that would happen, then this is kind of a new thing to bring in to see how another person um, takes it. What do they take uh, from the past and what do they bring new to it? Yeah, I, I would agree with you. I very much feel like I don't know. This isn't a I wouldn't give this to a brand new to comics person, right? Because time travel, I had trouble following it um, as someone who reads a lot of comic books. And so Plus there's um, of, like it's good, but there's a lot of better stuff. If you give someone first time comics. Yeah. Right. You know, but I mean, but I mean, like if you're like if you were going to give someone yeah. who doesn't read a lot of comics, yeah. I probably wouldn't do that. But I think you're right. Someone who someone who's looking for a time travel story, someone who wants to scratch that itch. It's an interesting sort of like crime piece of it too like the sort of how do you fit them i you know how do you fit the mafia into your into your sci-fi i kind of yeah. i kind of like that idea of it i think that's kind of fun so if someone said someone, they really like black science i might say hey check this out um i don't know if it stands toe-to-toe -to -toe with black science but it's if you like black science then this is this is a quick read it's a fun read relatively yeah. cheaper read so go yeah. for it yeah, I think I paid six ninety nine for it mm -hmm. on on Comicsology, which is now owned by the great mega Jeff Bezos. Yeah, so, um, <laughs> so you can you can get it pretty cheap and check it out. Um, all right, Travis, what else? Anything else you've been reading, man? Uh, just those sci fi books, man. That's been taking up my time. I have been doing a lot of reading though, which I really enjoy, just like some novels and stuff like that. But so I got to get. We've got to decide on what the next run of comics is, so I can start throwing those on my digital reader, especially I got some traveling coming up and uh, we got to, you know, I got to uh, get back into the visual art form of comics. the visual. No, I, I feel you, man. Uh, so I've been, um, I've been reading, I've been reading a couple different, I've been reading a couple different books. Uh, I've been reading, um, what's the sci-fi one I'm reading right now. I'm actually, uh, the collapsing empire is what I'm reading right now. It is a very much, how do we, it's this, sci-fi book 
the the um uni- like humanity is spread out amongst the stars and the only we- way we can travel from place to place we don't have light speed travel but we use these black holes right and okay. these black holes are all jump. connected well now they're starting to collapse okay and what happens when they collapse and the empire starts to fall apart how's that uh, that's politics been pretty- how's that affect religion How right affect- right yeah and so there's an emperor, you know, there's an, uh, the, this, you know, main character just becomes the emperor, right? She's okay. now the emperor. Her father dies. It's an interesting sort of story. Uh, and then, you know, I've been reading comics because that's what I do. I really am digging New Burn is the one that I'm reading. One Dark yeah, Night. Yeah, I had that still down on my sticky note here, the New Burn one. Yeah, New Burn's been up, pretty good. quite out for its trade yet, huh? Uh, it might be now. Well, okay. if the trade's not out, the, the issues for the trade are out. Uh, One Dark Night, the Jock uh, solo Batman story. It's on a, it's a DC black label one. Uh, that's been an interesting read. I've enjoyed that. Um, just, you know, just a couple different things that I've been trying to check out and read through. I read a lot of uh, Shade, the the um, the Changing Man. I read through a couple things of that. I just have just a couple, a handful of things I've been checking out. Um you know, work's been busy, man. So I'm I'm yeah. looking forward to like nailing be, down. You might be actually reading some of those later. So if any of those, yeah, to you, but we'll yeah. And I know, later. I know we wanted to, I know we wanted to read that uh, Catwoman. The Catwoman. I think that last one comes out this month. So at the end of this month, the okay. third issue of that Catwoman comes out. So I think we're gonna do that one, The Lonely City. I'd like to do the Jock book with uh, Doctor Dan. I'd like to have Doctor Dan on for it. So okay. you know, folks. Check it out. Listen to the show. Share it with your friends. I want to thank you for tuning in. We know it's been a couple weeks. We'll probably have a uh, a we'll do a we'll do a good old variant issue yeah. coming up, and we'll, we'll, we'll chat about ch- yeah, we'll yeah. chat a little Moon Knight. We'll chat, you know, what we've been reading and watching. I'm going to ask Travis what's the best sci-fi book that he's read recently. Oh, okay. So, good question. Right. I want to know, and I want to know why. I want to know yeah. why that's the best right. one. As a as a giant sci-fi nerd, I want to I want to talk about you why. Read my 21 page paper. <laughs> No, <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. I might. Uh, all right, folks, you can find episodes at comicexposure.com or your favorite podcast app, whether that's uh, Spotify or Apple or whatever weird one you use. We're on a bunch of those. You can check those out. Uh, if you go to the website, you can find the link to the merch. You can get yourself a sweet shirt for the summer. I need to get me uh, some summer merch shirt, man. I want to get that no effects uh, knockoff. That's a good one. one. That's a good <laughs> one. So long. Thanks for all the comics. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So you wanna you wanna check that out. You wanna uh, be a part of the be a part of the gang. We wanna we wanna read comics with you. So, ladies and gentlemen, I wanna thank you for hanging out with us, and we'll see you next trade.